Hello again, Pastor Deborah here, and this is another global teleministry episode, podcast, show of Agape Love, Love is Here with Pastor Deborah. We're working ourselves through many different topics. Some have been emailed to me, asked me for prayer on certain subjects. Some just want more teaching. And this is a less formal way than through the King's International Spiritual Care University. In that show, I stand up with a board behind me. I have spiritual students in my living room, believe it or not. It's as if we are standing, or I'm standing rather, in a big amphitheater in Athens or in the ancient days. Because I'm talking to spirits who come from all over the world. Well, how can they understand me? There is a language, a universal language that all spirits know and that they can understand. I don't have to learn a foreign language at all. And anyway, if they don't understand me, there is a great power called the Holy Spirit. And he will take my words, translate it into the language of the Spirit from whatever culture or nation they're from so they can hear me, understand me in their own words. Now, there is a story right from ancient times on the day of Pentecost when that happened. So I don't worry about learning another language. I trust the teacher who's reaching out across the great divide and into the darkness of the spiritual realm to do what he does best, help people to hear a Heavenly Father's message. So in the King's International Spiritual Care University, which is on the website of www.agapeloveishere.org, I'm going through basic, intermediate, and advanced classes for free. There's no registration except that your heart has to want to learn. I'm taking you through the journey that I, Pastor Deborah, went through from being a mental health counselor and helping people from that concept to helping people the Lord's way. I was instructed years ago, probably in 1995, if not sooner, to put that down, learn a new way. I had already been unsettled in my mental health counseling, didn't fit, never quite understood it, always wanted to help people with the Bible. Remember, I had been saved since I was four. Been to churches all my life. Had been praying, simple prayers, reading the King James Version of the Bible over and over and over. Watching all the wonderful Old Testament movies on television. Going to Easter services. That was always my calling. But like all of us, we get off and I went into the mental health counseling. But then I had to put that down, did not renew my license or get any continuing CEUs. I isolated myself in a bubble of church, and I stayed there for years and years and years. I learned how to do prayer teams, learned about intercession, learned about deliverance, casting out of devils. I learned how to talk to people at the altar. I learned about giving fiery sermons and <laughs> 
evangelistic type calls I learned and I was touched by the power of God got my prayer language there stayed in that bubble six seven nights a week and when I wasn't in it I was reading about it doing history studies of Christianity Jewish study 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 I was making up time because I knew that the Lord was in a hurry. We heard that from the evangelist. His name was Steve Hill. He said God was in a hurry to get his work done. So I had to study hard. I took Bible classes online. Never quite fit in. Never reached ordination. Because I didn't fit in their little box. Of what they had. A youth pastor. A children's pastor. A senior pastor. I was so different. And I didn't know why. But I didn't get upset. And I still don't get upset when I don't fit. Uh, I also tried going into the jail with some ladies teaching uh, about drugs. It was okay. I loved it. But I didn't fit with the people. And then I kind of stayed to myself, and then God dropped the bombshell. He brought me Amanda, the first multi-generational Satanist. And from there, my ministry and the ministry the Lord wanted to do through me and with me exploded. He was going to go deep into the occult world, deep into the Illuminati, the Church of Satan, pornography, drugs, cartels, into the powerful world leaders of globalization. He was going to take me into godless societies where God had been kicked out. He was going to take me into the Muslim community. He was going to take me to rulers and kings and even to doctors and policemen. All who were serving, some knowingly, some unknowingly, the kingdom of darkness. So there's a lot to learn, but in this particular one, it's called that I was sent to proclaim liberty to the captives. Now proclaiming, I just did one on, what does that mean? That means to tell, to bring good news to bring information. But I also told you that you had to back up those good words. I couldn't just tell somebody I love you or that Jesus loves you. That love had to be demonstrated to these people spiritually so their little spirits would believe. I had to have the backing, the anointing of the Spirit of the Lord on me and it had to be powerful. Now, it didn't happen all at once. I got a lot of anointing put on me. And I'll tell you that story. We were in a church service. The pastor was preaching on the blessings of Abraham, which were financial and uh, long life and health and influence with people he ran into. So we were all told to raise our hands, so I did. And I heard the Heavenly Father say, I am putting an anointing, a blessing on you while my hands were raised and I am going to bless you that people will come to you in the spirit and they will want to talk to you and hear what you have to say they're not coming to hurt you but they want to talk with you okay that wasn't in the Bible that wasn't one of the blessings of Abraham but I knew the voice of the Holy Spirit and I knew what the Father wanted to do he wanted to reach into the deep darkness of the spirit realm to where the very object of his heart was focused the forever person, the spirit 
and the very object of Satan, the spirit. So I said, okay. Then the pastor said, raise your hands again for another portion. So I go, this stuff must be too powerful to get it all in one. So I raised my hands. I got a double portion of this blessing. Now I didn't know what it meant. Didn't know when it would be needed. Couldn't activate it. All I could do was pray that God would help my spirit to be knowledgeable of, be aware of, and be ready when he kicked this spirit uh, into a gift called the discerning of spirits. My eyes had to see spiritually clear. My ears had to be able to hear little whimpering quiet voices. I had to be able to see the demonic spirits and Satan and know their voice and their spiritual fragrance, so to speak. I didn't know how to do that. There were no classes to teach you. So I had to pray that God would help my spirit. And then many times when that occurred, the drain on the spirit is tremendous. So I'd have to rest. But I prepared myself by studying the gift, studying all the works that God wanted to do. Listen carefully, slowly, deliberately to Christ Jesus. When he was talking to the lady at the well, he was telling her that this praise and worship, this God that you're trying to worship wants and will only accept is in the spirit because he is a spirit. Once I got that, I was able then to go into Matthew, where we're told that in the end days there'll be two groups of people brought before a king. We all believe it's Christ Jesus, and he's going to separate them out. He's going to put one group on one hand and one group on the other, and he's going to have sheep and goats. And if you understand how sheep and goats work, sheep follow by a sound. They know their shepherd's voice or his noise he makes to follow them. Goats have to be pushed, shoved, herded, sort of beaten with a little whip on their fanny. They did not willingly and easily follow. A lot of times you have to use dogs to herd the goats. So he was talking to human spirits and he was saying, some of you have been doing, you followed my voice and others of you did not. And this, and how I got here was I used to pray, God, I don't understand what's going on. I'm praying over the peanut butter in the food pantry. I'm giving clothes to be given out. I'm praying over the rice and the bread. I'm giving it out, but I didn't see the changes that I knew the Holy Father wanted to see from the peanut butter gift. I didn't understand. I knew it was anointed. It was prayed over. The people were prayed over, but they kept coming back, and they, no changes were occurring in their lives that I could see. So I was frustrated, and so I prayed, God, what is going on? I don't understand this. We're doing what your word says. We are feeding the poor. We're giving clothes to cover the naked. We are visiting them in the jails. I did that. We're going to the hospitals. I was trained in a local hospital in their clinical pastoral education program to learn how to be an emerg- be a chaplain. Excuse me, my nose is just... 
in their hospital. I went into the hospitals. I visited with them. I sat with them in hospice when they're dying. I was doing all that this scripture was saying to do. And I was still frustrated. I couldn't understand what the word was telling me. And then my wonderful teacher, the Holy Spirit, said, You are looking at this through the eyes of man, the eyes of the flesh and the soul, and the eyes with your earthly understanding. You are not looking at these scriptures through the eyes of the Father, from the eyes of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit opened it up to me. And what it said was that the Heavenly Father was spiritually talking about the human spirit and to him if someone was not we'll say born again believing in Christ Jesus he was considered hungry thirsty for that good tidings those living words of hope and life they were not in the family of God yet so they were naked they were only wearing demonic animal skins from God's point of view they were orphans spiritually oh Satan claimed them as their children but they weren't his so they were orphans he was like their foster parent but at the same time they had his DNA his genetics his image and likeness which I am talking about in the spiritual care university uh, the image and likeness and what happened was I had to see the scriptures from the eyes and the heart of the father and he was the Holy Spirit was teaching me that it was the spirit that the Holy Spirit is looking at and how he determines if it is covered with a white robe of righteousness or is it naked is it in the family of God or an orphan? Is it in captivity of jail, slavery, or is it free? Is it sick and diseased and nobody's coming to bring healing? When this hit, and I realized from those two scriptures that the Father was talking about the Spirit, then I needed one more to clinch this understanding I needed the scripture never remember my norm but was that the word says my words I speak to you they are words of spirit and life these were not earthly words even it sounded earthly but the proclaiming of these good tidings of liberty, freedom to the captives were spirit words for the spirit I had learned I had learned where I was going to be going I had learned the very object of what God's words out of the Bible all of his missions his preaching, his proclaiming was to the spirit once I put all these scriptures together I knew where I was to focus so he kept me in another scripture, Isaiah 61 and 62. I still, those are the foundations I stand on. Because it teaches you that you have to have this anointing. The Spirit of the Lord with its fullness and its baptism 
and it has to be completely one with you no separation and then you get sent and we're told in Isaiah 61 somebody's coming and it's going to be anointed with this spirit of the Lord and it was a word and it was going to proclaim good tidings unto the meek it was going to proclaim liberty freedom to spiritual captives later on in the four gospels we hear this young man named Christ Jesus stand up in his synagogue and read that scripture and then he said today in your hearing is this scripture fulfilled oh boy did that upset the people because that would mean that this young man they knew all his life was a God he wasn't just a earthly man he wasn't just their neighbor he was something else and they believed only God could do that only God could set captives free and this young man was saying he was God himself oh boy did he cause a lot of problems so I had to have several several scriptures and I had to have the spiritual understanding to help people the Lord's way so we're working through Isaiah 61 we're now we ain't even got out of verse 1 so you will learn that the spirit of the Lord God just as it was on this Christ Jesus the spirit that was inside the dirt body named Jesus is on Pastor Deborah fully immersed in it fully one with it because that is the only way that when I pray and ask for things to get done they are done it is the only way that the kingship my rightful spiritual rulership and lordship over the demonics over the spiritual world and the earthly world can be manifested so you have to have that you have to have understanding it's sort of like if you're a child you may have uh, the ability to drive a car but you're five years old you can see a car you see your mommy and daddy driving and you may want to drive the car but you ain't got the goods yet you don't even have the physical body don't know the laws yet haven't passed the test haven't taken a test just to drive a car so when you're trying to help the heavenly father in his mission that his heart wants to do and with his will not a denomination not how you were taught through a denomination not to make church members but to set spiritual captives free well first you got to figure out why are they captives and why do they need good tidings proclamations said to them of freedom what is freedom for a spiritual captive how they get held captive what's stopping them who's holding them see the spirit of the Lord in Isaiah 60 is assuming that all humanity is a spiritual captive do you believe that do you believe that the spirit is trapped in darkness which means ignorance is it held in fear of death and sin 
Is it held deep in the flesh? Because it's still one with the flesh? And it has not had a Hebrews 4.12. What is the captor? Who are the ones holding the keys? What's holding the spirit captive? Why would it need freedom? It's just believing in Christ Jesus that some people try to beat and force the soul to believe. There's a lot of very harsh, loud evangelists. And they will argue with the soul, trying to convince the soul that God exists. You ain't going to get there with the soul. Sorry, the soul, this stuff is foolishness to it. And you're only arguing with the soul. But if you get that anointing, and you get that assignment, and you understand the Bible, and you understand the objective of what the Bible's talking about, what Isaiah 61 is talking to, why would a word have to be anointed with the Spirit of the Lord? Is it the word that sets a captive free? What is a word that could do that, that could break the power of ignorance and darkness over the Spirit? But first you'd have to believe that the Spirit is captive to something. What is it captive to? Somehow in the Bible, the man Isaiah wrote, and he believed, and this father seems to believe, spiritual men of all humanity are held spiritually captive. And they need a word. They need good tidings sent to them. But those good words must be anointed, blessed, infused with the power and the source and the spirit of the spirit of the Lord. It must come from the spirit of another human being. But it doesn't have to. Did you know the resurrected Jesus is still working? He's going into countries where a physical body cannot go. He travels in dreams. Shows up in people's rooms. In the spirit. He can manifest himself. Did you know that? You think he's going to leave this valuable, most important mission and assignment to a lot of people that don't have a clue what they're doing? So this podcast, this episode, A Global Teleministry, is to bring to you that there are some spiritual captives, basically all of humanity. We hear about it. We know, and they need something to help them be free. They need something that is strong, powerful. Are there invisible spiritual chains tying them down? Are they in locked jails, dungeons, and they can't get out? Are they held in their mind by the fear of death? By sin and rebellion? Does the flesh control them? The lust of the eyes? The lust of the flesh and the pride of life? Are they still held captive by their past? 
I work with many sexual survivors who are adults. They are still identifying after 40, 50 years as a survivor. They have no new identity. Even if they believe in Christ Jesus, they still believe they are a victim and a survivor. I had to tell one lady on the phone, don't think she liked it very much. What happens when you've been a victim of something? That if if you do not get healed from it, that becomes who you are. That is your identity. That is your relationship with other people. You can get sympathy. People will talk to you and listen to your story. That happened 50, 60 years ago. Yet they don't go to therapy. They don't get any counseling. They do no forgiveness work. They stay in that identity of a victim, a survivor. And every time they tell their story, they bring it back to life. Everything attached to it. I had to tell this one lady, she believes in Christ Jesus, that when she believed, no matter when that was, that person who had been sexually assaulted as a child, a teenager, with all those horrible memories, the PTSD, the fear, the unforgiveness and bitterness, it died. It went on that person spiritually, the flesh and the body, was taken and was bore by Christ Jesus to a cross. And it was punished and it died. And when Christ Jesus rose up in the tomb as a glorified, resurrected, brand new spirit, so did she. And she was no longer that person who had been abused. Great place to see this is in the movie The Hobbit in The Lord of the Ring when Gandalf the Grey fell into shadow chasing this Balrog this demon and they fought and fought and fought which is a good thing also to watch and then he died out of all space and time and then when he comes back and he's now Gandalf the White And he's in this forest, and he is so bright, it blinds Aragorn and Gimli. And he tells him, oh, yes, I used to be Gandalf the Grey, but I'm not him anymore. He died. I'm Gandalf the White, and I have been brought back from death, from shadow, beyond space and time. As Gandalf the White, more powerful and brilliant, to finish my task. His beard was no longer gray. Boy, was he bright. Excellent to watch, because that is what happens when you accept Christ Jesus. The old gray, dark thing that had been abused. There's a great story about Pastor Deborah on the website. I think I got it up. Not quite sure. It's called... It's time. And it's about the transition I had to go through. I had used to call myself Jan. I had given myself that name in the fifth grade. Lived in a certain house in Montgomery, Alabama. Had a lot of horrible experiences happen. Jan married her husband. Jan had a child. Jan had been abused all sorts of ways. But God 
said. She died. Jan died when she vowed to God that if she had to be crucified alive to save one Satanist in a Satanic meeting, she would do it. Unknown to Jan, God took her up right then and there, and Jan died. Then when my father, years later, fell and broke his neck and I became his legal power of attorney, I had to start using my first name, Deborah, D-E-B-O-R-A-H. That was my first name. And God said, you're in transition now to learn how to become Deborah. Jan, you are no longer Jan in his eyes. I had to learn about my name, Deborah, so I studied it. Did you know Deborah was a judge and a prophetess and a mighty warrior in the Old Testament? She was a leader, mighty, mighty one. Then I learned that my Deborah's biological mother was named Sarah, S-A-R-A-H, princess. Father's name was Joseph. Ooh, I, Deborah came from a biblical family. I had to study names and natures and images and likeness. And why did they call me Deborah? They never called me Deborah. They called me Debbie or Deb. But during this two-year transition time of learning how to become Deborah, Jan had to be put in the grave and gone. So it took two years to do this, to feel Deborah. I would run into people that knew Jan. I wouldn't say anything to him. Because if I had said, oh, do you remember me? That was Jan. I had to go. I don't know who they are. Because Deborah did not. Deborah had never had sex. Deborah had never been abused. Deborah had never been married or had birth. She was a non-gender being. Born again. Probably when she was four. No sex, a virgin in the eyes of God, a king and a mighty one. But as long as Jan was alive within this body, soul and spirit, whatever Jan's memories and experiences, they controlled her. And Satan would have doorways and hooks to get to the spirit. Two years it took me to become Deborah. To sign my name, I had to change my checking accounts. I ripped up everything that had Jan on it. Now, I told my husband, but he didn't quite get it. I told my son, you came from this body of dirt, but I, spiritually, Deborah, did not birth you. But would you like to be my spiritual child? I had to tell all the people I had started working with that Jan was dead. Jan was dying. Deborah was coming in alive in my mind of my spirit in true reality and experience even in my soul Jan was dying and a new creature that was born again filled and anointed with the spirit of the Lord I want to show you what that looks like I have wonderful Uh, objects that I take with me or I took into the jail to show you what you cannot see. Let me get it for you. I'm going to adjust this just a little bit. Can
Can you see this? This is what our spirit originally looked like. Beautiful. You can see. Let me turn this on for you. You can see colors coming through it. The spirit was clean and pure, but it fell into darkness. But upon its freedom and its liberty from slavery, the light came back on, shone through, filled and anointed with the spirit of the Lord. Inside of the spirit were jewels, precious jewels, the wisdom of the Lord. The spirit of might and honor and respect. Jewels. Power that could control. The spirit was a walking treasure chest. Let me show you what was inside of Deborah that had to come forth, that had to be liberated out of this. This is another object lesson. Inside of Deborah was a beautiful treasure chest. What was inside? Let me show you. When Deborah spoke, moved in the spirit, was a partner with the Most High God, and was anointed with the Spirit of the Lord, what came out? Maybe you can't see it, but it was love. Love, a copy love was overflowing. Filled the spirit of Deborah, for it was coming from the throne itself. Pastor Deborah's spirit was anointed with the balm of Gilead, with cassia, with all kinds of words, a beautiful ointment. But when she spoke, it came. It brought healing and deliverance. It could melt away the unseen chains of slavery. What else in it was a light. Let me turn it on for you. Oh, can't see it. Was a light. Oh, it's a little one. Was a light that shone out truth and light. Inside, Pastor Deborah brought somebody who had died with her, taken all her sins, put them inside of him. And the old Jan died. And this precious man, inside his dirt body, but more importantly, inside his spirit. He wears the crown of thorns. She carried this man, this king, this Messiah, this Christ that came. Because the only way that Pastor Deborah could become Deborah, become the rightful king she was always meant to be, this young man had to take her chance. And Jan went through a death experience. Pastor Deborah experienced the cross herself. Inside of this Christ. Inside of this dirt body. You have to have that revelation. That the old you. The wounded. The broken one. The one that was in slavery and freedom. Was set free. By the death of an innocent one. For you. Also. Oop, my little light shining a little brighter. Oop, just, there it is. The light of truth was coming. Pastor Deborah's spirit, Deborah carried it. 
inside of it you brought the hand I hope you can see this the hand of God the hand of protection for the little ones she brought peace and joy and love also inside of Pastor Deborah were words living words of spirit and truth words that came from the Father himself who sent them so inside of Pastor Deborah the new spirit was a treasure chest filled with things unseen anointed with the spirit of the Lord by the Lord to set and proclaim liberty and freedom to the captives these captives were hurt oh they had been so tortured and abused they didn't believe the good news excuse me gotta set it down Pastor Deborah's spirit had to be seen like this with colors and light coming out she had to carry within herself the seven spirits that this Christ Jesus had in the Holy Spirit Pastor Deborah had to become a new creature of Christ himself a bearer of liberty and of truth Pastor Deborah had to know that they were captive slaves to ignorance slaves to the flesh if you hear anything my air conditioner just came on it's getting a little warm here Pastor Deborah had to know what spiritual slavery looked like so she read the Old Testament over and over she looked at the battles this mighty king would have to do she learned that even though you might be set free like ancient Israel your mind can still be back in Egypt the mind, the soul and even the mind of the spirit can still be a slave still desiring the darkness and things of the dark freedom takes a long time even if you get truth you may not believe it even if you get healed you may not believe it was God because a lot of people have had psychic healings healings all sorts of ways but they didn't attribute it to the spirit of the Lord Pastor Deborah had to learn she had to study Jan had to die upon Deborah coming out oh my gosh having the personal spiritual experience of going to the cross going into hell herself watching Christ preach and proclaim freedom to the captives to Adam, to woman to Noah, to Noah's children to all of the pharaohs and the Egyptians even to Muhammad Pastor Deborah watched how this Christ preached and proclaimed the good tidings of the kingdom of heaven and brought salvation to them in hell then Pastor Deborah started having these experiences herself you will read that in a story on the website it's called 72 virgins I had heard about near-death experiences 
I had read about people going halfway down to hell, calling out to a God, getting saved. And this story is about the Boston Bombers, the Sanaya brothers. I saw what happened. One had died. They were both Islamic. They were here in America. Well, the young one got captured, and he was in prison. He comes to me in the spirit while I'm outside, minding my own business, watering. Usually that's how it happens with me. I'm not thinking about anything. Boom. He comes to me, and he asks me if his brother was in paradise. I knew what he was asking was his brother in paradise that Allah promised for a soldier of Allah and killing, quote, infidels. I said, no, sweetie, he's probably not. Now, I knew where his brother was. He said, well, can we get him to paradise? I go, sure. Let's, we're going to go where he's at. Now, you stay in my light. This was my first trip. So he stays in my lightness, in my brightness. I walk up to the gates, the entrance into hell itself, and I speak to the demons there. I said, by the word of God that was given to me by Christ Jesus upon his return into heaven, I have been given the keys of hell, death, and the grave. Open up to me. I'm a king of the kingdom of heaven. The demons growled and opened the gates. I had the keys. I had the authority of a resurrected spirit now. That this creature, this Adam, was always to have. And I walk in there. Now I'm being led by this spirit of the Lord. It's not a nice place. It's hot. It's burning. It's caverns and caves and flames. Screaming and torture. Everything you could imagine. And I had to have another Bible story to help me. Joshua. When Joshua was fighting, he needed more time. He prayed and asked the sun to stand still. So I'd go, well, if he can do that. The word tells me that God is the same today as he was back then. So I said, Father, I need to stop the flames, the torture, bind the demons. Poof. Silence. The flames stopped. Father, I need angels to come and bring living, cool water and to bring your gift of love and truth to set them free. I became a proclaimer of freedom in hell, just as Christ Jesus had done when he went there. And he had to proclaim and preach and speak to Adam and Noah, all the people of the Old Testament. He didn't leave one of those captives behind. And when he left, he took them all with him into the kingdom of heaven. They had to hear. They had to see him. They had to believe. So I had the stories behind me. So I went. I didn't know where to go look. But I was led by the Spirit of the Lord. And we found the Saniah brother, the older brother, who had died and he was there. And I started talking to him. Now, his younger brother was hidden in my spiritual light, just listening. Because he really was still on planet Earth. He was not resurrected yet, so I had to protect him. So I'm talking to his older brother and explaining to him this was not paradise. But there was a throne and a king. And he said, Allah lied to me. I go, yes, he did. 
He didn't know any better. He was trying to get you somewhere. He was trying to obey a God. He was trying to do good things. And his heart was broken. Because he recognized that what he had did didn't get him to this paradise. He was not honored for killing infidels. I said, but there is a place. And there is a king that would like to meet him. I said, you see that highway right up there? That light? It's called the highway of holiness. If you will believe that somebody loves you and forgives you and wants you in his family and he shed his life on a cross for you, you don't know what you were doing. He forgave you from it for he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. If you believe that, just drink of the water and take this free gift. And he did. He was born again right there. He said, can I go? Yeah. And the young Sanaya brother asked me if he could go with his brother. I said, sure. You can go up there to the throne, meet this God. I took them both up there. Introduced them both to the Most High God, who was sitting on the throne in this Christ Jesus. And then I left them there. Now, the younger Sanaya brother didn't stay. It wasn't his time. But when he came back, he said, this stuff is real. Yes, honey. What do I do? I said, well, you're never going to leave prison physically, but you move in the spirit. So you can go to all the Muslims in the spirit and tell them what the truth is. And this truth that you have learned and you watched your brother find will set them free. Because everybody's going to physically die one day. And so he's doing that now in the Muslim community. Truth had come to set captives free of spiritual ignorance and darkness. I was a carrier and a proclaimer of liberty, freedom to spiritual captives. I don't go around talking to people about it. I write the stories. It's on the website. Hell is a real place. It's a place of death and separation. But I have the keys to it as a resurrected being, as Deborah. Jan did not have that. Jan was still the old identity, the old wineskin, who was abused, was abandoned, who didn't feel love or safety, had been a victim of family mental illness. Jan had died. The soul, the identity. Deborah rose up. And she had to study death. And resurrection. She had to look at Christ Jesus. That that was the image she was to become. First she had to die. Jan had to die. Jan could not carry. The words of spirit and life. Her spirit was still in the old wineskin. The old identity. So a lot of suicide, a lot of survivors of all kinds of abuse are still there. They're still in their old wineskins. And it does not want truth. And they're still living out of the soul and its hurts and wounds. Not only did my spirit have to believe it was a new creature. Made new in the image of Christ himself. And Isaiah 61 had been fulfilled in my life.
before I could take it and be a proclaimer and anointed with the Spirit of the Lord upon me. So, this tape, this video, is a talk about many different things. You can proclaim this truth out of your soul, but it's not anointed. It's not anointed with the spirit of life. It has no ability coming out of the soul. They're dead words. You can be one who tries to argue with the soul, try to convince the mind of the soul about this Christ Jesus. Won't do any good. You'll get mad and upset. They'll be upset. Only it's spirit to spirit. And only when the spirit is full grown and the words are anointed and you're going after the spirit. Isaiah 61 is the Father talking to us. And he's telling us that he himself has sent his own words covered with agape love and alloys and cassia and myrrh with power and strength of the spirit of himself to set spiritual captives all of humanity free not just a physical freedom. Some will never get that. Most of the multi-generational Satanists never get that. They never come out. But upon their death their spirit goes on up. I had to learn the hard way. Death is a part of this. God's after the spirit and its final place of coming up. So when it faces the king it will not be a goat. It will be a sheep and it get receive its inheritance. And it will have learned. If I can get to them before they die. Like the Saniah brothers. Or many of my spiritual children and multi-generational Satanists. Heavy metal music. Then they can help me. And they can help spread this word of truth. You know how I used to get many of them baptized in water? They go in the Gulf of Mexico, dip down three times, take a shower. That's all you got, a bucket of water. It wasn't, it was the thing that said you are clean now. The old you died. They needed that. They needed to know. They needed some type of physical experience. And they can't get into the churches. But the spirit was born again. A lot of them still had a lot of demonic spirits. A lot of darkness and ignorance in their spirit. In their mind. Their emotions. And they were still captive in so many ways. And I had to learn to love them even through that. But I was a proclaimer. Bringing liberty. Truth. And agape love. To some of the worst people that you would never want to do that to. I didn't have to yell because the word of God told me that the Heavenly Father himself is already drawing them, calling them, wooing the Spirit. He has ways I don't have any idea about. He is calling them. Maybe he's already visited them in a dream. Maybe he's already shown up. 
in many other ways. And then I just come along. How do they know about me? I don't know. He said he'd send them. So they come. Little children come. Little babies come. Big politicians come. Movie stars come. Kings and queens come. Princesses come. Leaders come. Just regular people come. Pastors come. Preachers come. I was one. I'll show you a story. Long time, maybe a few years ago, we hear a lot about false prophets. I didn't know who they were. I had no clue, and I didn't want to be led astray. So I was listening to four guys on some show called TBN. They were all saying God had told them this, and there were four different answers to one question. I go, that's weird. If God's talking to all of you, then you would all have the same answer. But they didn't. No, they were all friends. So he said, that are your false prophets. I didn't talk to them. I don't know who talked to them. Maybe it was a, their soul talking to them. I don't know. So I go to my bathroom, and one of them comes to me and says, You said I'm a false prophet. I go, No, I didn't. God did. He's still on television. I didn't call him that. I just want to know who they are. I didn't want to be lied to. So I find out all kinds of things. I don't tweet about it or anything. And uh, I just kind of have to study. Is this person really speaking the truth from the Spirit? Or are they just talking flesh to me? I had to have more spiritual experiences that I had to use to proclaim liberty. I had to do battle. I had to stand between demons and precious little spirits. I had to bind them up. I had to stand and do battle. Because people were always watching me in the spirit. And I always ask people, what does your spirit look like? Are you a teeny weeny little nightlight? Or are you a powerful, powerful floodlight? What do you look like in the spirit? Are you awake or asleep? This one lady I started working with, she was about mm, 60 years old. And she discovered her little spirit went to sleep when she was about three or four. She was going to have a surgery. And she it had been asleep her whole life. Well, what got saved? And she realized all her learning was only in the soul. And if you watched her, you could tell it wasn't spiritual. But she discovered that. Some of them get saved in their sleep. There's a great poem called Who I Was. Some of them have to go into their trance worlds, their secret worlds. Get them safe. Sort of like the three blogs I wrote for Rachel Grant about healing the dark dreams. It talks about how when Dorothy got hit on the head, she took into that world all the hate and anger and fear. And she could not come home till she was healed and vanquished. That Mrs. Gulch, who had become the wicked witch of the West, and she threw water on it and to save her friend, the Scarecrow. Once she had vanquished the enemy, the symbol that represented this fear and hate, she was now ready to wake up. 
Sometimes we have to be healed, even in our comas, our deep sleeps, and our trances. I do a lot of work when people are asleep. I do a lot of work when people are in comas. The spirit, I'm up 24-7. Sometimes when I'm not doing anything, guess where I'm at? I'm the shepherd in the garden. Up on a high hill watching all the living creatures. I'm watching the Son, the Word Himself, teach and preach. It's a powerful spiritual place. Most of the little spirits that come in, they don't stand up very long because it's so powerful. The flowers are even singing. But that's what I do when I'm not out in the darkness. Sometimes I'm out in the darkness. And sometimes I got to do a lot of battle to set little precious ones free. Always from spiritual things. But sometimes I have to deal with human spirits. And how I would deal with them is God loves them. So let's say I'm working with Candy. And a human spirit who's unsaved comes inside of her and is on the phone. I don't want to hurt that human spirit. I want to show it gentleness and love. But it's hurting Candy. Or it's kidnapped her spiritually. I have to reach that spirit in love. So I'll ask an angel to come and just gently put their hands underneath the arms and lift the human spirit out. You can't bind human spirits. I can bind demons, but not human spirits. I had to show gentleness to these, even though they were hurting Candy. And Candy and I had this rule that we knew every single night on the phone. We were on display. What I said, what I did, what I prayed, the Spirit of the Lord had better be working in me. Because we were on display. The power of God himself was being watched. People were trying to go, is this guy alive? I thought we killed him. Lucifer, Satan tells him he's dead. He doesn't have any power. I had to prove him differently. The Spirit of the Lord had to be powerful, operating in my life. My words had to be anointed with power in the Spirit of life. For them to believe. But just because they believed. They weren't free yet. A little part of them was free. You can be a prisoner. like well, I like to use solitary confinement. You can get saved in solitary confinement. But your physical body. And a lot of your stuff. Ain't going nowhere. And you still have years of hurt. A lot of We learned this in the Old Testament. You can get set free from old Pharaoh. Through powerful powerful means. And then you start murmuring and complaining, wanting the old life. Well, I don't like this. There's no onions and leeks, and we got to work. And we don't know this land, and there's, we're just little grasshoppers compared to the other people in the land. They're giants. We'll be hurt and killed. Doesn't that sound like Cain? So the hardest problem for God is changing the soul's mind, changing the spiritual mind, helping it to grow up, helping it to become a mighty warrior, to trust God and to work with God. A lot of pastors, they get upset if you challenge them because they, they, you can't touch the anointed one. But they're really, if you get upset, it's probably your soul that's responding. The anointed one is the word. 
That is where the Spirit of the Lord is. If you speak God's Word from your spirit with the anointing of the Spirit of the Lord in agape love in kindness to human spirits the Heavenly Father will do His work. If I need to be tough as a soldier to a demon, that's different. But when you got power, you don't have to yell. You don't have to argue with anybody. Sometimes you just stand there and say nothing. And just say, I love you. And they go, how could you love me? Don't you know what I've done? Yes. Don't you know what I'm doing right now? Yes. And I still love you. And they can't understand that kind of love. The anointing is sweet for the human spirits. It don't even talk to the flesh. It don't have nothing to do with the flesh. With the soul. It's outside the spirit realm. But when it comes to demons, you don't have to say much. Have a thought and they're bound. Because they lost them. Fair and square on the cross. They thought they got him. But boy did he surprise them in hell. Then he took the keys from hell, death, and the grave. Which was always the fathers. And he got them back. So there's different kinds of voices. That you must have. On who you're trying to talk with. I don't argue with people. They know me. They know they can talk to me in the spirit. I'll tell you another story. Went to Walmart. Walmart's a great place to do evangelism. Pray with people. And this uh, foreigner who was working for a drug cartel, he's in there physically. And I sort of spam. I don't say anything. We're in the vegetables and fruits. He comes to me in the spirit and said, You're her, aren't you? You're Pastor Deborah. I go, Yes. Will you get me saved? Sure. Say this after me. See, they're ready. God's already been drawing and wooing and working. He's already been proclaiming to them. They've already seen some signs and wonders from other people. Led him to the Lord, put a hedge of protection around him. And he's sort of some over there in the vegetables and I'm in the fruit. I don't look at him. And then we're doing a checkout. I might give a thumbs up. May never recognize him. And the work is done. May never see him again. Sometimes I have to get people on their deathbeds. Sometimes I have to go into hell, which you learn about that. I've been there several times. Because when God wants to go down there and clean it out, he takes me and we go together. Because he knows I'm not afraid of it. He knows I know that I understand the spiritual laws that are effect. He knows he gave me the keys to hell, death, and the grave. Now when I get at the entrance of it, the demons see me in light and they just bow down, run, and hide. And there's nothing they can do. And I speak one word, snap my fingers, the flames stop, the angels come. The hardest ones for me to really convince and talk to are the Imams of Islam. They've gone to school. They are thorough, even their spirits, thoroughly believing in Allah, in Muhammad. It takes them a little longer, but eventually they all believe 
that Christ Jesus was the son of the living, the only living God. Oh, they knew Jesus was a teacher and a prophet and a preacher. But to say you were the son of the living God, that's a different story. So I've had wonderful spiritual experiences. Uh, I've had to proclaim liberty to many people. I had to be anointed. I had to go through the cross experience. Jan, the old, hurt, wounded spirit, wineskin, had to die. I put it in the grave. And for two or three years after that, Satan kept trying to get it alive so he could come back. I almost did it a few times, but I didn't. And I want to show you another story, how this works. Once you get that revelation that you are a new creature, the old you has passed away, then the things start coming because Satan wants to get you back in that identity, keep you as a survivor, a victim in your soul and in your identity. So here was my experience. I'm outside again, watering my garden, minding my own business. And it's getting ready to rain or something. Oh, and I wanted a blessing. I heard some thunder. Now this comes from the movie, The Gospel of John. I watched this three-hour DVD. It's on YouTube now. For five years, three hours. And in it... Jesus talks to the people, talking about he's the good shepherd. He is the gate to the sheepfold. And the sheep will hear his voice. And they will listen to him. That's what sheep do. They follow. And they won't follow another voice. Okay. Now that was the teaching. Now Satan wanted to prove to God that Pastor Deborah was not one of his sheep's that I would follow another voice. Now he had to wait till I had watched and heard and believed that scenario and that story. So I'm outside and I hear some thunder. Now where the thunder comes in is in the movie. Jesus is in the temple and it thunders. And a voice comes out of it and speaks to Jesus. Other people heard the voice. Some just heard thunder. And Christ Jesus said, this voice was for your ears to help you. So I knew to associate thunder with the voice of God coming afterwards. So some thunder came. I said, oh Lord, I would love to be blessed today. I could sit down and if you would just let it rain, could water the garden. He said, okay, if you'll put the garden hoe down, here's the voice, you will get your blessing." So I put the garden hose down. The voice was pleasant. It was kind. It was not threatening. Didn't have, didn't make my spirit feel creepy or eerie. So I turned off the water and I sat on my screen porch for two and a half hours. Waiting for it to rain. Never did. And about two and a half hours I go, oh, That voice was not God. It was a demon masquerading as God's voice. Now, when you're on display all the time, especially at this level, there are video, spiritual videotapes going on, tape recordings, 
evidence. Because Satan had to take a videotape into the courtroom of the universe to go to the judge, which was God himself, to present evidence to him that I followed another voice. I had listened to him. And I put the garden hose down. So therefore, I didn't run from the voice. I listened to it. I obeyed it. Therefore, according to the word of God, I was not one of his sheep. I was one of a goat. Now, God revealed that to me. Boom. Two and a half hours. Oh, Father, please forgive me. For believing that was your voice. I am so sorry I missed it. Now it sounded like God to me. I wanted a blessing. I wanted him to talk to me through thunder. Please forgive me. I thought I'm forgiven now. As if it never happened. So now what happens. I sit and wait. And through the gift of discerning of spirits. I'm observing a courtroom scene. The judge asked Satan, where's your evidence? You are accusing Pastor Deborah of being a goat and not one of Christ Jesus' sheep. Where is your evidence? And Satan goes and gets the videotape. Sir, I have a videotape and audio recording, which I am used to being under and having spy satellites and all kinds of things watching me spiritually so he goes to play the videotape in the audio nothing there black no sound no picture and that tangles what is going on I know I took this video myself she did this and the judge says where's your evidence I must see evidence of her doing what you said I must see it to prove that she followed you to declare her a goat and not one of my sheep that follow my voice. There has to be a legal determination that Pastor Deborah was a goat and followed another voice. But there was no evidence. The videotape was empty. There was no audio. When I repented, The blood washed it away. Erased it. Now God held Satan off from coming to the courtroom. Satan did not know that God had helped me to see my mistake. And helped me to repent. That sort of undercover operation stuff that happens. So Satan comes there full of, I got him. And I got her. But there was no evidence. So the case was dismissed. But that's how it works for Pastor Deborah. Works the same way for all of us. There must be evidence. So when you do do something, if you recognize it and it's revealed to you by truth, by light, by the Spirit of the Lord, you just repent. Father, forgive me for following another voice. I thought it was you. But you can be deceived. Oh, he's good at that. He deceived woman. He could be in another human being. You don't know how many times I've had to go, Did you say that, Pastor? Was that you? 
tell you another story. There was a, uh, during this church's service, there was going to be a powerful president of a Bible college come. He was going to talk. God revealed to me that a powerful demonic prince of the southeastern United States was going to come through him because this man had lots of open doors was going to stand on the pulpit and survey the territory around Pensacola and see how good it was becoming for him and God said this was going to be a battle like Ezekiel and the prophets of Baal he said when you hear the song let the fire fall from heaven I want you to go outside the sanctuary and pray a prayer to me just like Ezekiel did and go back in so I waited all through the service and it got to prayer time and there came the song and I saw this thing oh he was almost to the top of the building tops the ceiling powerful ugly and I prayed the prayer and down came fire right on that thing now in the natural you saw nothing nothing but because I was a proclaimer of liberty and freedom God wanted to free this territory and the people I had to do warfare and battle I had to follow the Lord's leading the spirit was leading me to warfare so not only is the spirit of the Lord you ain't going to set captives free you're going to use love but you must demonstrate power so I wanted to bring this to you out of Isaiah 61 that the spirit of the Lord needs to be upon your spirit on your words everything you do there must be a close and deep partnership with the father with the king of the kingdom of heaven to do his will with his words and to set people free these captives his way can't argue so I had to learn to be cooperative I had to be in many battles but I started learning how to be a proclaimer of liberty and freedom spiritually to spiritual captives I learned how to fight because sometimes you have to fight to set captives free sometimes you have to break bonds hey, some of the stories in the Bible there were earthquakes to set prisoners free how about the ten plagues in Egypt how about earthquakes sometimes God and I did battle together but you come in and you say I'm here to set the captives free they go that ain't going to happen sometimes you have to prove yourself sometimes God has to prove himself for his glory his namesake it's all about him not you not your denomination not the money that you could come in not to sell your book it's for his glory and his name and his reputation only so I hope this teaching has helped you and taught you a little bit more about the spirit of the Lord and how it is used and what it does in proclaiming freedom to the spiritual captives. Love always and forever, Pastor Deborah. See you next time on another global.
tele-ministry of agape love, love is here, and Pastor Deborah. Love always. And if you right now are a spiritual captive and you want to be free, you don't have to do much. Just believe in your heart. The Father will hear you. And I'm going, He will set you free. Father, your word says you sent your word, anointed with your spirit of life, filled with agape love and joy and hope. Come right out of the kingdom of heaven, right out of the throne room, to set the spiritual captive free. Father, take him. Bring him out of the darkness. Open the prison cell and fulfill Isaiah 61 in their lives. Father, you said your word was sent never to return to you void or fruitless. Father, whoever listens and it sees, set them free. Let your victory from the cross claim another one. And let the heart of Satan cry and ache for your great love that was sent went all the way to a cross, all the way into hell, so you could have the heart's desires of spiritual children for your glory, for your kingdom alone. In the name of Christ Jesus, the Lamb that came to set the captives free. Amen. Welcome to freedom. Now begins the work. Lots to learn and teach, but welcome. The little light, your little candle, it's been relit. You are welcome to visit me anytime you want to. Love always. Pastor Deborah.